Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. And went out from there toward Hukuk. It adjoined Zebulun on the south side and Asher on the west side and ended at Judah by the Jordan toward the sun, um, toward the sunrise. And the fortified cities are Zedom, Zer, Hamath, Rekath, Kinnereth, Adamah, Ramah, Hazor, Kedesh, Edre, and Hazor, Iron, Migdal, El, Horem, Beth Anath, and Beth Shemesh, 19 cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Naphtali, according to their families, the cities, and their villages. Okay, so very close to Asher on the east, Naphtali had the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee as its eastern boundary. And like several other territories, had been prophesied for things to happen to them. We've been over that. Other tribes had prophesied things that was to happen to that tribe. Reuben, he violated that woman in Israel's bed. He got his, his tribal location put on the east side of the Jordan, much closer to the enemy. That was a curse because he did a bad, bad thing. Well, that was prophesied to happen that way. There's a lot of prophesied things that was said over tribes, and Naphtali was no different. But Naphtali has quite a good prophecy to look forward to. Uh, Naphtali's area was not very prominent in Old Testament times. Some of their areas that we went over in the past had a lot of prominence in biblical Old Testament. Naphtali does not have a big prominence in the Old Testament, but is going to have a very good involvement in the New Testament because Jesus Christ would be there in that area. Now, I'm really big when it comes to prophecy. Why? Because of Revelation 19.19, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's big. It bothers me when I talk to Christians and they go, Well, I'm not big on prophecy. I don't care. You don't care about the testimony of Jesus Christ? Well, I didn't know that. Well, then let's learn prophecy. Christians are losing the concept of prophecy. And I'll explain why here in a minute. But we really have to get into concern with prophecy. Prophecy speaks forward to the coming Messiah. Prophecy speaks forward to promises that we have in God. Prophecy lets you know the good things that are coming. How are you supposed to know if God doesn't tell you? He prophesies and you go, oh, good, I got that to look forward to. And so I want to show you the prophecy where Isaiah speaks of the once gloomy Naphtali but becoming changed to a wonderful place all because of Jesus. In Isaiah 9 and 1, it says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. 
and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Ooh, who's that light? Who is that light? (laughs) Let's see the fulfillment. It was prophesied that on Naphtali, the once gloomy, now the light has shown up, Jesus Christ. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That light was Jesus Christ. Jesus even said in the book of John 8, 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. There's your light. He's preaching in the area in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy concerning Naphtali. And I just wanted us all to know that. You know, all prophecy will be fulfilled. There's not one prophecy that's going to go through human history unfulfilled. And that I take comfort in that. Because when God says something's going to happen, you can trust that it will happen. When God says this will happen, it will come to pass. The Bible has given us so many prophecies when you look through it. Uh, it has also given us the text that shows the prophecies that have been fulfilled. So it says these are prophecies that will happen, and then here's the prophecies that have been fulfilled. You get to see this pattern. Here it comes, and there it went. Here it comes, and there it went. God said it would happen, and God did it. You, when you get used to seeing that pattern, then when you look at prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, you know they will be. Because the Bible says, I have fulfilled all these prophecies, so that means the ones that have not been fulfilled yet, you know they will be. And you can take comfort in that. So you can expect the future prophecies that have not yet been done will be done. And so they will come to pass. Now, here's a good one. Let me, let, let me give you an idea. In Hebrews 9, 9.28, it says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Okay, I have shown you prophecies that were said in Isaiah's time and got fulfilled in Naphtali's time. I shown you earlier in the book prophecies that were said way over here that got fulfilled up in here. Now I'm showing you a prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. Because I have shown you God's pattern that when he says he's going to do something, that he will do it. When God says Jesus is coming back again, then guess what? You can trust that Jesus is coming back again. I am so thankful. Come on, let's go. (laughs) I'm excited. It gives us a pattern to follow. Prophecies will be fulfilled, and you can be assured he's going to appear second time for salvation. But Jesus has been prophesied to come, and I'm just glad to see what's going on. And just in the distribution of these tribes, we're getting to understand prophecy. We're getting to understand that when God says something, he keeps his word. I didn't know all this was in the, in, oh, I, most people, they look in Joshua, oh, okay, they're dishing the tribes out. That's good. I'll skip that part. Don't skip nothing. Read it. Get in there. You'll, you'll miss a lot of good stuff. That's why we cover everything here. Joshua 19 and 40, talking about the land of Dan. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. And the territory of their inheritance was Zorah, Eshtael, Ir, Shemesh, Shalibin, Ajalon, Jethla, Elon, Timnah, Ekron, Eltica, Gibbethon, Balath, Jehud, Ben-Barak, Gethrimon, Mejarkon, and Rakon with the region near Joppa. 
And the border of the children of Dan went beyond these, because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it, and they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it, and dwelt in it. They called Leshem Dan, after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families, these cities with their villages. And so this battle against Leshem, what's that all about? What prompted this? What's going on here? The Amorites had come in and attacked Dan. They came in and attacked the children of Dan. And so they lost that territory. And so having lost that area, they went up north to the city of Leshem and attacked it. Why did they attack it? Because there's still enemies in the land that they have not fully driven out yet. Remember, a lot of the tribes that God gave the inheritance to, they either could not or would not drive out the enemies that God told them to get rid of. And so you still got uh, enemies still in the land causing trouble. So they went up and they took it over uh, Leshem and they renamed Leshem to be called Dan after their father. And this is backed up in Judges 1 and 34. It says, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down into the valley. So they had to move, they took over a new place, and they called it Dan. They wanted to keep the tribal name Dan, so they went elsewhere. Now I want to talk to you about Dan real quick, because I've been there, and I've got pictures. How cool is that? Show a picture there. That's me standing in Dan in Israel, and you can see those walls there, some remnants of some uh, uh, structures that were put there. Actually, what I was next to, close to, was when they tried to set, uh, somebody tried to set up a false... Um, place of sacrifice there, and that was close to there, so they found these ruins. Go ahead to the next one. And uh, there's me and Dove Schwartz in some more ruins there. You can see we were standing in a section that was a room. Of course, the roof is long gone. You still got the walls. Next one. And I took that picture because I just thought that tree was totally cool. (laughs) That that, uh, tree had an interesting root system. Go ahead. And that right there was also in Dan. See that arch in the background? They, that arch door, they filled mud into it to keep the arch from collapsing. They found this arch underground. They dug it up and they said, oh, it's going to collapse if we don't fill it in. That is the oldest known arch in existence. It was probably there during Abraham's time. That is an old arch. And that was, that was the way in to go into a city right there. A lot of people would have gone up those steps and into that arch in the city of Dan. Totally cool. Is there any more? And there's me and Dove again next to a big wall. That was kind of an entrance to the city there, too. They had security there. It's like the airport. When you go to the airport and you get on a plane, you have to pass through these little booths where they, you know, check you out and you go through security and you can't go in. The city of Dan was like that. They built these walls. You're not going in until you go through security. So that's one of the walls right there. Now, why would you think they would set up walls for security? Well, because they got attacked. We're going to secure this. We're going to secure this place. Next one. And if any of you ever want to go swimming at a waterfall, oh my gosh, that sucker was cool. And when you get down there close to, it was kind of in a canyon. When I got down to about there, all of a sudden the air got really cold because you're down in the bottom where the water's at. And that was just fantastic. That's all, that's pictures of me and Dan anymore. And uh, there's a ruin right there. Uh, you can see uh, the column and the, the artistry work they put in. And on the wall in the back, you can see how they cut out things in the wall to put things in it. Uh, so that's, I mean, hey, that's still there. That's kind of, that's the city of Dan for you. Okay, go ahead. I think that's the end of that. That's all. So I wanted to show you some pictures of Dan because I had been there. And uh, I was walking along through Dan on some rocks. And uh, I, it was kind of like various stones from this big to this big. And I kept hearing trickling, 
trickling all the time. And I'm like, what? where's this water? And I'm looking and I can't see any water. And I kept getting down to the ground. I heard trickling and I put my ear down to the ground and I could hear water running under the rocks. Oh, oh man, that's really cool. You could hear water everywhere, but you couldn't see it. It was a very nice place to live. And so um, just good thing, good memories about Dan. So anyway, that was my time in Dan. So Joshua 19 and 49, Joshua's inheritance. When they had made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath-Serah in the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. These were the inheritances which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, divided as an inheritance by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. Okay, we're finally done with all this dividing of the country. Okay, we, we got there. We're here. It's all divided out, and it's all set up. Every, all the tribes got their portions. And you remember the Levites, they got no inheritance. They got no inheritance. No lot was thrown for them. No area was set for them. Why? Because the Lord himself is their inheritance. Why? Because they are the priests. The priests got no physical inheritance. And the parallel I make with that is, friends, we are priests in Jesus Christ with our high priest Jesus. Down here on this earth, you get no inheritance. Don't look for it. If God chooses to bless you with something, great, but you do not have a material inheritance that is the ultimate fulfillment of your life. You, the ultimate inheritance that you are to look forward to is in Jesus Christ and eternal life. And the Levites depict that for us in that your inheritance ain't down here. So stop clawing and arguing and fighting to find it and get it from people, demanding I should have this and I should get that. You're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Your inheritance is with the Lord. Take that up with him. The Levites got no inheritance. And of all these tribes, there was no Levite inheritance. But one thing I want you to notice is how Joshua did not look to get his allotment until after everybody else got theirs first. Joshua came last. Last. Joshua did not look for himself first. This is a very important thing here. We've been going through all this information, all these chapters, and Joshua is the last guy. This has been a long journey for the Israelites. A lot of battles and a lot of conquests, many years. And he, Joshua in this gave lots of giving of himself to others, seeing to their needs first. This is quite a selfless spirit that Joshua had. And to think that today, the basis of everybody's big argument is over me first. What I want, what I'm entitled to give to me. That's the whole argument going on out there. Regardless of your political party, regardless of how you view anything, everybody on both sides of the fence is demanding, give me what I want right now. Joshua never did a protest like that. He served, he gave, and he sacrificed himself for the benefit of others. That's what he did. Joshua's name in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Yehoshua, the long form of Yeshua. Yehoshua, 
And then there is Yeshua. And Yeshua is the Hebrew for Jesus. Joshua is a foreshadow image of Jesus Christ himself. Joshua's name means is, is a long form of Jesus, just like my name is Ray. You can also call me Raymond. I prefer not, but <laughs> Ray and Raymond is the same thing. So you have Yehoshua and Yeshua. Jesus came to earth, not in riches, but in poverty, didn't he? Because he said he had, there's no place for him to even lay his own head. He came in poverty to give us peace and rest so that he could work for our gain so that we could be saved while he himself had no peace, while he himself had no rest. He suffered in obedience all the way to the point of the cross. And just like how Joshua would not enter into his own inheritance until everybody else had their inheritance first, Jesus himself would not enter into his inheritance with the Father until by obedience to the cross, he secured the eternal inheritance for all of us first who would believe. Jesus did not come to seek his self first. He came for you and I as a servant. And he got all that work done before he would go back to the Father. And aren't you glad? Because if he hadn't, we'd be lost. Jesus will not count his own glory complete until every ransomed sinner has been brought into their heavenly rest. I'm thankful. Now, all the tribes have been settled, and we got to see some prophecies settled. And just like how Naphtali was brought from gloom to light, as the prophecy said, if you want to be saved by Jesus, we can be brought from gloom to light also. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into light. There's your gloom to light through Jesus Christ. And so, like Anna the Asherite, the prophetess did, I want to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come. And you can choose to believe in him. And for anybody here, wherever you might be, and for those over the uh, video, and for those hearing me on the radio, as we're on the radio locally here, I just want to tell you, you can be saved, but the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ because he's the only one who was sinless, who was qualified to die on the cross. Something I grew up never hearing in church when I grew up that I wish somebody had told me was the continuation of the gospel story. People always said, Ray, Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sins. And that's where they stopped. And I never got it. I didn't understand what that meant. Okay, he paid the price and died. That sounds good. What they did not tell me was that he rose again too. That he beat death. And because he rose and beat death, I get to rise and beat death. And also that my sin, all the bad things I've done that I thought I wasn't worthy of, and I'm not, I'm not worthy. They never told me that Christ's death was substitutionary. That means that once I proclaim Jesus as my Lord, I believe in him and what he did, my sin comes up off of me. It goes through a time travel back in time and it lands on Jesus Christ on the cross where God takes out his wrath on him instead of taking it out on me. And that's how I've been saved. That God's wrath doesn't fall on me. It falls on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he went through that. People weren't telling me the whole thing. I hope I've told you the whole thing. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters 
that you repent and get right before your Lord. It matters that you realize that you're a sinner and stop thinking you can do it yourself because you can't. If you haven't figured it out on your own by now, isn't that evidence you're not going to? You're not strong enough. That's why you need a Savior in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this story today. We thank you for Joshua 19, that there is a lot in just the handing out of the, the tribes, territories. Lord, you offer us what we need based on our families, based on our numbers, by how many people we are. It has nothing to do with our enemy. It's not based on the enemy. It's based on you. Thank you, Lord God, that even though we have messed up, even though we have done wrong, Lord, I, sh- I, I, I blew it. I shot it down. I sinned guilty. There's not one good thing about me at all that you could use, that you need for me. But because I have given my life to you and called you Lord, you have turned my life around because you filled me with your righteousness. And now out of obedience, I'm just going to do anything I can to get the gospel to as many people as possible with whatever size church, with whatever I've got to do it with, Lord, I'll do it. And I thank you for the privilege. And Lord, I ask you show everyone in here today that they have that same privilege to do the same. Lord, it doesn't take just a pulpit. It doesn't take a radio broadcast. They can go and tell their friends. They can tell their family. I messed up. I sinned. I bombed it. And Jesus came and saved me and took my penalty for me. And you gave every person in this room a testimony, their story, that by the power of the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, we will overcome Satan. We will see people come to you, Lord God. And so our prayer is this, Lord, draw your people, draw your people. Anyone in here who has not fully and totally given their life to you, Lord, may they decide today, today's his time I finally get everything right and give it all to you. And for those of us who have, thank you for the perspective we can have from this Joshua 19 that you offer us an eternal inheritance. Thank you, Lord God. Now tell us and show us and enable us how to go carry that forward to tell others. Be with us, Lord God, even before we reach them to share the gospel so that they will accept you. We thank you for it, Lord God. And Lord, we can't thank you enough for your son dying in my place. For all of us who want to come to believe, you have taken it on for us so that we don't have to. And it is from that thanks, that appreciation for your grace, that I will do everything I can. And I pray for everyone in here to agree that they will do everything they can. They will take every opportunity to speak. They will take every opportunity to sacrifice themselves out like your son did for us that we give ourselves and get low to be recognized by you for the opportunity of sharing the gospel with the lost thank you for your word lord god i would have lost heart if i hadn't known i'd get to see you but i do know because when you prophesy something lord you will make it happen And another one, another promise, it says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you for that promise, God. I will take you up on it. Thank you, Lord God, for the lost to be saved and for the saved to march forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.